HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn, New American Cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, we are coming to you live, as always, from the back of Roberta's Pizza in a little bit of a gloomy day here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You're listening to The Farm Report. I'm your host today, Erin Fairbanks. And we're going to be talking a little bit about agritourism and the role that plays in undergirding regional farm economies. And today we're on the line with Mary, I'm sorry, Mari Olmend. Welcome to the show. Glad to be with you, Erin. So you run a, a, a farm. I, it was interesting checking out your website. You talk about yourselves as relational, relational farmers up at the, the Green Mountain Girls Farm, and I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit about what you mean by that. Sure. Um, basically, we're you know, well aware that um, there's, um, uh, you know, uh, farming is in a control uh a controlled environment, and um, we sit within a neighborhood, um, amphibians out the back door in a cool, wet forest environment, and um, neighbors up the street who um, have lived here for many more years um, than we have. So we, um, we're kind of humbly sitting amidst the hills of Vermont, uh, aware that we want to produce great-tasting food, and also aware that we're part of these larger systems, social and ecological, and so we're just trying to pay a lot of attention to what um, all sorts of people have learned about both and um, put it to use in, the, in our farming. And how did you come to the farm? Great. My partner and I were actually, it's kind of funny, your um, underwriter today, the Tabard Inn, we lived in Washington, D.C. for a decade and a half, and we were both nonprofiters, um, enjoying um, the very stimulating environment of conservation careers, and um, at the same time, we decided to move back to Vermont because, well, we were drawn to the geography and the culture of this place and very intrigued by farming and food and the possibility that um, 
you know, a bunch of us need to really be preoccupied with it uh, in the 21st century and um, kind of turn the tables on how food's produced in this country in order to uh, be better to our planet and better to our bodies. So when you decided to pursue the farming, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you looked at a couple of different types of models. And and why was it that this kind of eat, stay, farm model was the one that rose to the top? I mean, did that play on particular skill sets or did you see it as an underserved, uh, you know, resource within the community? Um, How did that kind of model come about for you? Yeah, for us, it's it's kind of the story that just starts in this is in this place that we are, um, um, you know, partly looking at ourselves. You mentioned just, um, you know, what we were capable of, what our talents were, what were our experiences and aspirations, and then what was this place capable of? What's this land and infrastructure um, going to excel at? And um, uh, what value do we want to create? You know, what are the markets we're equipped to tap and um, position to access? And so... Um, I guess I came out of an ecotourism background, and I am also a native Vermonter, and I had this sense that for decades, skiers and foliage leafkeepers have kind of used um, the agricultural backdrop as just kind of a juxtaposition to increase their enjoyment of their skiing or their foliage seeking, and um, but just had this hunch from seeing ecotourism work that um, and then seeing this emerging, really exciting trend of people really caring about food in this country, um, just had a sense that people are ready for sort of coming from the ground up, um, and instead of having farms just as this kind of bu- bucolic backdrop in their pictures, just a sense that people want to frame their pictures right in sort of farm life. And um, when we saw the barn that is at our, our farm, Green Mountain Girl Farm, um, we, you know, all our other criteria kind of fell out the window and uh, we fell in love with the place and knew that it would be a chance to, you know, the kind of farm that would be accessible for people to, to visit and um, either, you know, just get a, a little taste of farm life or, um, or really, really dig into um, understanding more about the food system. So can you give us a little sense of the the scale and diversity of your operation, what you're you're raising and and what the kind of um, markets or outlets are for the the goods you're producing on-farm or off-farm? Sure. Um, And in addition to the words that I can share with you now, I'll definitely invite people to join us on Facebook and at our farm website, um, eatstayfarm.com and see a lot of pictures and get a better sense of the place. But essentially we raise meat um, uh, that's uh, chicken, turkey, uh, pork, and goat, and that's all uh, rotationally grazed right here in the neighborhood. And um, we grow about 40-plus vegetables on just about two acres of cultivated land. It's a hilly landscape, so these are kind of a patchwork of gardens, and in between them there's a bit of a mosaic of some evolving young orchards, um, some nut plantings. And um, in addition, we I kind of joke that the, the top floor of our barn is for a cash crop of tourists. Um, and I, I joke about it because, um, you know, when you visit overseas, everyone says, well, what's what's the cash crop from your place? Um, and uh, But we, we have farm stays, farm experiences, and food available all year round here at the farm. 
um, and other sort of sense of scale, you know, to um, put things in perspective, we're seven people full-time equivalents that work here in the summer and four in the winter, um, and we farm about, you know, pasture and, and crops together, about 20 acres, um, uh, eating some of our neighbor's grass and um, uh, a lot of browse and pasture here in, in, at the home farm. So I feel like when people, I mean, I know, you know, traditionally for myself, when I think of agritourism, I think about, um, you know, pumpkin patches and, and apple orchards and kind of petting zoos and those being kind of the more obvious um, kind of mainstays of the agritourism world historically, or maybe it was just that my grade schools did a really good job of getting us out there. But I do think that there is kind of an evolution in this idea of what agritourism can look like. And I'm wondering, um, you know, what direction you see that heading and, and where you see your farm kind of fitting in more broadly to that agritourism landscape. What are some of the uh, Opportunities that are arising given this increase in interest, and do you have any um, do you have any worries about that influx of uh, of interest um, by by folks who want to come and have a farm experience? Right, I don't. I mean, it's funny that you ask the worries, and I guess things go full circle. I mean, in general, I would say um, before getting back to the the heart of your question. My greatest optimism relates to how much people care about and seek things from farms, significant things. Um, we get a, a ridiculous amount of calls <laughs> and um, people wanting um, educational opportunities for their youth group and their schools and, um, and, uh, and all sorts of people in needy circumstances, grieving, they want to spend time with animals, et cetera. We, we can't say yes to all these things. We, um, you know, we do offer a really wide range of of uh, farm experiences that people can come and have here, and um, people are welcome to, um, you know, look at the offerings on the website and, and, and make bookings. Um, and at the same time, there was almost like a neediness um, that I heard from the community. Um, people were, were needing something from farms or looking to farms to provide something for them in, in all sorts of circumstances um, um, and, uh, you know, a lot of special needs. Um, but at the heart of that is that someplace deep in all of our consciousness, there's something healing that's possible when being around things that are growing and something, um, something very significant. So, so the, the yearning that people seem to have, the hunger that people have, I, you know, I think, I think the, the food interest is the tip of the iceberg. I think that we're, we're not only interested in the tastiest carrots, we're, we want to eat the view as well, and um, it's exciting to see that. And so, same time you started with that, you know, um, more and more pick your own operations might include a slipper and slide, and <laughs> it's getting a little carried away, maybe on the side of the continuum towards agritainment. And you know, I guess if 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 I get worried, it's that um, we almost need different words to describe the different types of experiences are, that are out there. At our farm, we invite people um, to sign up and, um, uh, you know, buy a little slice of farm life. Um, that underwrites and helps the margins on food are, are, are slim. That helps us make our farm more viable. It helps us restore a land that's really not been loved for many decades. Small farms um, just haven't been viable for, for quite some time. Um, 
it, it's it's a very restorative possibility for people to buy in and um, not only feed their hunger for really delicious organically grown food, um, but to touch farm life and to um, kind of revisit some of the, the central um, the central. Um, core learning about humanity that can happen here. So anyway, at our farm, we, we don't typically, well, this week is an exception where we're having a farm supper and a concert at the farm tomorrow. Um, so that'll allow, you know, 75 people to enjoy themselves in a very special evening. But for the most part, we just invite people to join us in exactly what we're doing each day. So actually today at the farm, there's a French journalist here, and she wandered across the street with us this morning um, helped us hitched up the wagon and move the hens forward to their new pasture, went around and did chores with us, um, you know, saw some of the food prep happening in our um, in our farm room with the harvest and for tomorrow's supper. Um, we kind of like inviting people into the intimacy of a family farm and into the real-life workings of this particular farm and to give them that real foot-in-the-mud perspective on small farm life and sort of the beauty and struggle that's, um, that's part of it. We are going to, uh, we're going to take just a, a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about your, your, your rep, your reputation amongst other farmers in the area. So hang tight. We will be back in just a minute. You are listening to Loveless Child by Shadowbox on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Tabardin, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant, or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. All right, we are back. We're talking agritourism today um, with Mar- Mari. Sorry, I keep wanting to call you Mary. I'm not sure why. Of the Green Mountain Girls Farm. Um, and I, I wanted to ask a little bit about, um, you know, I know farming communities can be uh, a little uh, hard on newcomers. And I'm wondering, um, 
if you can give us a little bit of a sense of what uh, the agricultural landscape is around you, um, kind of what, what types of farming is being done there, and then how, how you guys have been received in the community, any kind of you know, challenges or people who have been particularly useful resources as you look to develop your, your land and your business. We found the farming community in Vermont to be just incredibly generous and collaborative, and I think um, I think that's a little bit of Vermont's culture, and a little bit of this um, you know current wave of excitement about what we can all do together in terms of growing the pie and um, making you know new new strides um, to reinvigorate the, the farming community. I think um, we're right in the center of Vermont. We're just um, off exit 5 on I-89, so we're just 12 miles below Montpelier. It means we're in the heart of, you know, some old dairy land and um, some mix of, of older, larger farms. And right here in the neighborhood, it's, um, you know, probably within a two-mile circle back in the 40s, there were 40-plus farms, um, and now there just aren't any. So... More than anything, um, we've been welcomed. Um, sure, some older farmers have stopped by and tried to figure out if we were knowing what we were doing. And, um, you know, of course, we're always flailing and learning. Um, but we've, um, we've felt really nothing other than welcomed and, um, and found a real almost dot-com atmosphere of collaboration and excitement about um, some new possibilities for hill farms in this area. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely have always gotten the vibe that um, Vermont kind of as a state has has been really active at supporting, you know, revitalization in this area. And I'm wondering if there were any particular, uh, you know, state-based uh, resources or other kind of organizations that you found particu- particularly useful, um, whether it's looking at developing your business plan or troubleshooting um, different problems that have come up as as your your business has grown, or just people that you look to as uh, kind of resources in the farming community. Absolutely, I'm glad you probed a little further. The University of Vermont's extension program is is very strong. There are some spectacular organizations: NOFA Vermont, the Grass Farmers Association, Highfield Center for Composting. Um, there's a very long list of service providers, um, Wagon, I think you interviewed Mary Peabody a number of months back. Um, there are spectacular um, resources available and a lot of emphasis on providing them to new farmers such as ourselves who came in mid-career and um, the Farm Viability Program is very strong. So um, we've, you know, we were, um, we were just in a position to, to run after all of that and it was sort of widely available and we came in with you know, no um, commercial production experience and have been able to tool up and get the support we needed um, to launch our, our farm pretty quickly. Um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, oftentimes I feel like when I've traveled through more kind of uh, you know, kind of beautiful farm settings. You often will have someone in the car who's like, oh, man, it wouldn't be lovely to put a house on that hill right there and, and take in the view. And, there, uh, you know, there's a real kind of need to uh, preserve and protect kind of open space and in a, some way looking at making use of existing infrastructure. And I'm wondering when you guys were looking uh, for a property to purchase 
um, you know, have you considered putting an easement on your land? Was that like, how did you kind of prioritize um, the opportunities to, um, you know, protect la- protect the land for, for future generations? Is that something that you are considering or have pursued or um, just wondering how that kind of has worked into your business? Yeah, we were just lucky that the, the piece of property that we um, uh, identified was already in the land trust. Um, our neighbors had been... Um, opportunistic years ago to um, uh, collectively propose a package to the land trust. And so we benefited from all their efforts and and work in the past and really respect the work of the land trust and their um, current efforts to connect new farmers with um, farmland and, um, and, you know, steward that um, transition in a very responsible way and looking after kind of maintaining the cultural heritage of these properties and, um, you know, all sorts of biodiversity and other, um, other important functions that are, can, um, you know, conservation functions that are, that are served by this. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about the, the Floating Bridge Food and Farms Cooperative. Oh, gosh, I'd love to because I realized, you know, after speaking about the professional organizations, the other thing I should have said about coming into farming mid-career and just being a startup farm in Vermont, um, just a farming community and sister farms, brother farms, whatever farms, neighboring farms, farms across the street that uh, across the state that have been supportive and share their knowledge and um, mentor and um, and support and um, and then very specifically here in this neighborhood, here are Laura and Mari moving to Green Mountain Girls Farm, establishing this farm that's um, you know really trying to invite people to come and eat and stay and farm along with us um, and. Um, and wouldn't you know that just a few miles over the hill, um, some of our neighbors were meeting every month to try to um, explore, you know, what role could our farms play in satisfying the need people have um, to get out into the working landscape and enjoy themselves, to carry on family traditions that may not long, no longer be possible because, you know, Uncle Fred's farm is no longer with us or the neighbor farm is, is no longer uh, active. And um, so they're having those kind of conversations, and, and, and specifically Fat Toad Farm um, had taken their farm viability um, coaching and, and pushed for some consultancies to kind of probe what could um, agritourism mean for some of the small farms in the neighborhood. And so there's Fat Toad Farm, you know, uh, a well-established farm um, with a really beautiful farm-fed caramel that's available um, all around the country. Uh, you know, leading this neighborhood conversation with Ariel's Restaurant, another reputable and, you know, multiple-decade um, business in the neighborhood, starting to have these conversations, and little old us kind of move into the neighborhood with this as our aspiration as well. And it's just incredible serendipity. So we joined their efforts, and together we they had formed the Floating Bridge Food and Farms Cooperative, and together we've just been developing that um as an official cooperative, we're registered. We're plus or minus 14 farms, um, uh, a bed and breakfast, and um, a restaurant. And we're, you know, Tuscany is a long ways away, and we're inviting people to come up to the hills of center of Vermont and enjoy some really great food and understand, um, you know, uh, understand uh, the, the working landscape. Join, join, join the activities of a given week or a weekend 
um, get some rest and rejuvenation and, um, and come visit us. Do you think, uh, are, there, are there tasks on the farm that you've found people are more into or maybe tasks that are people are a little bit less into when they're coming to have the, the, the farm experience? You know, we're sort of young in the business, but um, it does seem like, um, you know, there's some people that are all about goats, and they'll sign up for, you know, I want a latte on the hoof in the morning. I want to learn how to milk a goat. And by afternoon, um, this afternoon, we're actually teaching a making chev at home class. Um, and they'll just sign up for anything that had goat in it on the website. <laughs> and, um, um, and, you know, there's other people that, um, you know, a small boy organized or his mom organized his birthday party here and um, had no idea that there was going to be any problem. All the kids except for the birthday boy enjoyed picking up the eggs. The parents were ooing and eyeing about the warm egg. And the birthday boy, it turns out, was terrified of chicken. So, um <laughs> You know, some of it is kind of predictable, and some of it seems pretty random. Um, but, you know, um, I have a, a real interest in compost, and it seems like people love to go out and see what the compost probe uh, temperature is reading. So even some of the off-the-beam track or sort of um, farther, harder-to-see harder elements um, appear to really capture people's interest um, when made available to them. Excellent. And so if folks want to plan a visit up to your farm, the best way is just to visit the website, eatstayfarm.com? That's perfect. There's a lot of, we put fresh material up every week, a blog that tells you who died, who was born, what's fresh. Um, And then also the Floating Bridge Co-ops Facebook or website. And, um, and, yeah, if you do come, you can plan to just drive here, and then you can stay just in the neighborhood and enjoy everything from day lilies to uh, a bee har- uh, honey harvest, uh, maple sugaring. Um, the neighborhood cooperative is a kind of a spectacularly rich and densely packed, you know, just come, come to the central Vermont hills and you won't have to drive far. You can enjoy a wider range of, of offerings. That sounds like a great way to spend a a weekend this fall. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate having you on. You're welcome. Come on up. (laughs) And and if you can't get here, we're really really intrigued by sharing the intimacy of, of family farms on the web. So definitely visit us on the web. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mari. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. This, like all 30 of our live weekly shows, are available for free on our website, www.heritageradionetwork.org. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We are a member-supported organization, so if you believe in what we're doing, please consider clicking that Donate tab. Become a member today at the $120 level. We'll shoot you one of our fancy pants new tote bags, so check that out. Next week on the Farm Report, we'll be talking avocados, so stay tuned for that. Uh, get ready for all your you know, guacamole and avocado farming info. We will have it for you. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned in. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>